I know my kid is, you know, my baby's supposed to start talking. You know, they're supposed to say things like mama and dada and, and they're, you know, they're either not doing that or just so just kind of as a general guideline, by a year old, a child should be using single words, you know, should have. Okay. You know, ball. one words that they call things, Cat. ball, juice, that kind of thing. They don't have to have all the sounds in the word perfect. Yeah, they they're sh- not reading scripture. No, they're no. not. No, they should. No. Well, I mean, they might be. No, that'd, that'd be good. That'd be awesome. That'd freak out the parents. Yes, wow. it would. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> It's time for another edition of Valley Health Check with our friends at Horizon Health. You can always go to myhorizonhealth.org and learn all about those guys. And of course, check out these podcasts to learn some really, really cool stuff. And to get us started today with some great ladies in the studio, please welcome Aaron Frank. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Good. Thanks for having us back. Always a pleasure. So uh, we're going to talk a little speech today, I think, right? Yeah. Today we have with us Brenda Stevens. She is a speech language pathologist for us at Horizon Health on the main campus. She works within our rehabilitation services department. She's got over 20 years of experience and specifically today she's going to talk to us about child development as it relates to speech. Okay, awesome. Well, Brenda, good to have you in here today. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Thanks for being a part of our Valley Health Check. Well, okay, so we know what you do. What's the explanation of speech in the hospital, the overview of the services that you kind of do? Okay, in the uh, speech therapy in the hospital, it depends where you work, but where I work (laughs) at Horizon Health, I am the inpatient therapist as well as the outpatient therapist. So I see all of the patients that need speech. So as far as children, I see kids from the age of three on up. So, you know, I'll see them for the typical speech problems like misarticulations of sounds and that kind of thing, as well as language disorders, either comprehending or understanding language or being able to formulate language and put it out there. Also stuttering voice, those types of speech. So pretty much anything along having troubles, but uh, at that age. So how does one get to you? Do do they notice this in school? Are the parents Mm -hmm. wondering, okay, this I don't think is right. Yeah. Uh, First off, I'd say don't ignore it. Right, right, right. Most people or parents are familiar with the speech teacher in the school. Right, right, right. right. They had to see the speech teacher or whatever. Well, that person really isn't a teacher. They're a speech pathologist who happens to be employed by the school district. And they typically, they address the same types of things that I do at the hospital. But sometimes parents either feel like, you know, I feel like my child needs additional services Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, the doctor may refer them and say, hey, I think maybe you should come see. A lot of times speech pathologists in the school, because they are required to cover, like, there's a lot of kids in a school. Right. Uh, So sometimes the the time they have to spend with a particular child is pretty limited. And um, also the other side of the school piece is that just based on legal requirements, they have to prove that this child's disability has an adverse effect on their education. Mm -hmm. So there can be kids in there with speech issues that are straight-A students, but the, uh, they can't be picked up on the caseload because mm-hmm. it's, you know, obviously not adversely affecting their education. So that's the part that I find so interesting, right, is um, we as parents, and I think, I don't know, Kevin, what other segments we've done where this has been relevant too, but we as parents sometimes rely on people tapping in and letting us know when things are outside of the norm, right? Yes. We're so close to our own personal kids. We, yes. we only see yes. what we see. Yes. Maybe too close. Yes. Too close, right. So, so we're counting on people like teachers, for an example, people like our physician to tap us on the shoulder and say, hang on, Aaron, 
this this needs some right, some attention. Right. And so that's what I find so interesting is as a mom, what general understanding can you give me about speech to know my own assessment of my right, kid? Right, 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 sure. So and sorry, but it's okay. the where it starts is does every kid go through a speech eval at school? Is that standard or no? Um, that it's not typically, or at least around here, it's not necessarily like a state mandated kind of thing. Okay. But um, most school districts perform screenings on all the preschool kids that are just starting to enter school. And as okay. a piece of that screening, they're going to look at the speech pathologist typically looks at speech and language development. And gotcha. then other people look at all, you know, the motor stuff and the academic readiness and all that kind of thing as part of the screening. I have a quick question. So sure. I can see that I can see where the this person in a school is so, so important, but you brought up a very valid point. There's a lot of kids. There's a lot of kids. A lot of kids. Now, is it okay for a parent to make that decision to go see? Absolutely. You? Yes. Mean, you don't yes. need a doctor's order to come see you. I you guess do. Is, you, you do. You do need so a doctor's order. So you need to see order. your general doctor yes. and maybe talk to them about, I think there's an issue yes. here. I think I need to yes. see a professional. Yes. That's how to get the ball rolling. I just wanted to make sure, sure. someone yeah. that's never done this before, which right. I, I didn't have to with my boys. Right. Right. Um, but that would be one of my first questions. What do I do next? And, right. and it seems pretty basic. You always go to your doctor, but sometimes you're overwhelmed with the situation. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The, your sure. primary care physician is always is the place to start. Yes, and then they will send an order. And the other piece of that is some sometimes um, parents will, you know, their their child will receive services in the school during the school year, but then there's summer. What do we do in right. the summer? I don't That's, want my yeah. kid to regress. I don't want my. And so I have a lot of parents that seek out additional services in the summer. So they just contact their primary care physician, say, hey. My kid receives speech at school. School's going to be out. Rolling. Can I, you know, yeah. can you write me a referral to see, you know, speech therapist this summer? Well, and I think a lot of that gets trickier too as the kids age. Yes. So, yeah. you know, one, the screening and eval, how how does that happen when they age? But then also getting taken out of class as they age. Mm-hmm. I know I my kids do not want to do anything outside of the normal school yes. schedule, whether that is for fear of feeling different or whether that is because they love their classes or because they struggle and think they need to sit in the right. room. Whatever the reason, right. they do not want to have yeah. disruption to yeah. their day. And and a lot of times now, it's, it's a little different these days it, speech therapy in the school versus when it, a lot of people are familiar with that pullout model where they take the kid out of the class. There's a lot of speech pathologists now who do put classroom push-in and they will go into the class Oh, cool! and kind of work on that child's particular goals kind of in the context well, of a classroom. That's very interesting. And yes. then they utilize the curriculums going on in the classroom and make their speech goals relevant to, you know, to what's going on with them in class. Back to the, you were talking about how do I know, you know, how do mm-hmm. I know that my child needs speech? Well, a lot of times that piece kind of comes up before the child is preschool eight. You know, like, I know my kid is, you know, my baby's supposed to start talking. You know, they're supposed to say things like mama and dada and, and they're, you know, they're either not doing that or just so just kind of as a general guideline, by a year old, a child should be using single words, you know, should have, okay. you know, Ball. one words that they call things, Cat. ball, juice, that kind of thing. They don't have to have all the sounds in the word perfect. Yeah, they they're sh- not reading scripture. No, they're no. not. No, they shouldn't. No. Well, I mean, they might be. <laughs> no, that'd, be that'd be awesome. That'd freak out the parents. Yes, wow. it would. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But, um, you know, they're going to have those typical sound errors that, people often find cute, you know, wabbits instead of rabbits and <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. They're cute Skeddy. when they're, you know, sketty. Yes, right. Yep. No man instead of snowman. Those yeah. kinds of things. <laughs> 
<laughs> those kinds of errors are typical. Speech sounds develop in a typical in a in a there's a developmental progression just like anything else. You know, a child's neurological system and their motoric system mm-hmm. develops, you know, in a in a certain sequence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, parents shouldn't freak out if their kids can't say R and they're three. That's a later sound. They shouldn't have that yet. So However, react for Yes, don't you know. don't overreact, but don't don't necessarily don't wait it. either. Right. And I was gonna ask about R specifically. I'm yeah. glad you brought R's up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> R is R is a little bit later developing sound. Um so yes, three year olds with R issues aren't a problem. Okay. However, parents should look for things like does your child is your child at the age of two, starting to put two words together? Are they starting to say big cow, you know, more drink, those types of things? They should be starting to put some words together. And then by three, they should be in sentences. They should be, you know, able to to say a whole sentence. Again, there's going to be some sound errors. Parents should watch for the continual addition of new vocabulary to their kids, you know, th- their kids' repertoire. repertoire. Yeah. 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 Right. Yes. Right. They should be... You're waiting to say that. Const- was, oh, right. yeah. Well, well, it's a <laughs> Great word. It's a big word too. It is. Bonus points. Nice, that. nice. So they should they should see that they have more words for more more and varied things. And not it's not just what they can express or what they can say, but are the kids are they comprehending? Do they seem to understand what's what you're said. what's being said? Can they follow directions? Can they only follow one direction at a time? Can you can you say go to your room, get your shoes, then come back in here, or is that like way too much? You know, sometimes those things can be indicators that hey, maybe you know I should I should get this looked at. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the guidelines and stuff. Yeah. Someone's listening. It's like, well, what does the session seem like? I mean, what can parents expect when a session is going on? Okay. After I receive the physician's order, then the parent and the child come in and I perform uh, an evaluation. evaluation. Yes. And so that allows me to know kind of where we're starting. The ground level of where to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll develop some goals based on the child's performance on the evaluation. And then I will determine the frequency. You know, how many times are they going to come and see me every week? Are they going to come every week? you know, that kind of thing. And then depending on the child's comfort level, the, pay, the sometimes the parent comes in and sits with them during the session while I work on goals. Okay. Sometimes the parent wants to be completely removed from the session. And at Horizon Health, we have the option of there's a parent observation room there by my office. Oh, okay. And it's kind oh, of a one-way Think place glass. Yeah, oh, that, like, yeah. That, like think a, that's kind of awesome, Yeah, yeah. so the parent can sit in there. There's a speaker. Really they can cool. hear and see everything, but the child can't see them. So a but lot of times... the child opening up or being yes. a little bit more forthcoming without yeah. the parent there, depending yeah. upon the situation. Right, exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, some once the parent's out of the room, they're totally different kids. Okay, so. well, that's that's good stuff to know. Yeah. I just wanted to, you know, give an idea what to cool. expect. Is there anything that people can do at home? Are there, like, fundamental apps or <laughs> something they can yeah. tricks or... There's an app for that. There's well, an app you know, for that. Pro- you know, there, there are a lot of speech apps out there, and you can, you know, search them on whichever platform you like. But the most important thing you can do to your child is talk to them, read to them, <laughs> read, read, read books. I've heard reading books talk is about, probably one of yes. the most beneficial things. And that's something that my wife did with our boys, was very heavy reading mm-hmm. with them. And, yes. and they seemed to, my youngest had a little issue, but it was something that was dealt with in school yeah. easily. And it wasn't anything yeah. that that, yeah. that went to that. But yeah. but that is something that kind of sticks yeah. out to yeah. me, reading to your kids. Reading to your kids Talking to your huge. kids. Amazing talking yes. to your kids. And right? not, not baby talking to your kids. Right. As much, I still do that with I my know. older son now, <laughs> and only I, in public to embarrass oh, him. That's now. perfect. That's yeah. perfectly appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> You're a baby boy. Yeah. Daddy, yes. <laughs> 
So, you know, it is it, as, you know, much as we want to do yeah, that to small, yeah. like toddlers and that kind of thing, model good language. And I don't mean don't cuss in front of them. I mean, you probably shouldn't, but if they could articulate it really good. So just model what language, good language sounds like, you know, full sentences, nice and descriptive words like, oh, look at the big red truck, you know, those right. kinds of things. Talk about, you know, household routines. Oh, it's time to set the table. Let's put out the plates. One, Make two, three, four, five. For yes. Conversation. Yes. Yes. And, 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 you know, expose them to varied vocabulary, like descriptive words, like, oh, this milk is cold, but the coffee's hot. This, just, just talking about things around the house is just as effective as sitting down with an app and, you mm-hmm. know, and doing it that way. So, Well, and you talk about all the books. We were, we've always been big on books with my kids. And what I notice is when you read a lot of books, you almost start talking like a book. Yes. You know, like your example of yes. let's set the table. Yeah, one, one yeah. two, two <laughs> three. I mean, you almost start talking kind of like a children's book, yeah. especially yeah. when your kids are really small like that. Yeah. But I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. I, I, maybe that's weird. I don't right, know. Right. But, you know, you start noticing yourself in dialogue with your kids being like, like, let's wear this shirt today. What color's your shirt? Right. And I yeah. mean, yeah. I don't think that's natural. We'll right. run up the hill today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. What is that? Jack and, yeah, yeah, Jack Jack and Jill. Jill. Yeah. 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 Where's the bucket, Jack? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe not to Kevin's extreme, but um, I, that's something I noticed myself doing too, is yes. you do, go through those children's books over and over and over, and then you start to kind of talk like the book. Like the yeah. book. And yeah, it's good true. or bad, I don't it know. Happens. But yeah. it happens. One of the things that I am really into intrigued by was your, and I don't know if you said it or just alluded to it, but the role that speech plays on cognitive function. And how do you go about identifying that? That sounds a lot harder to find than than an R that's wrong. Yes. Some of the, there are, you know, higher level, we call them executive functions that um, we all have to use. And those are things like your ability to organize things, either things in your environment or to organize your thoughts in order to get something down on paper, which is an assignment that comes later in school. You know, you're not seeing that in preschool. The ability to plan. How am I going to plan my day so that I can get all of these tasks done by the time it's due? You know, or how am I going to organize this project and break it down into smaller steps? Those are examples of executive functioning. That's a whole other area of speech and language that we address. It's it's so much more than just the R and just the formulating a sentence. The executive function is one. Another piece of of speech that's often addressed in schools is pragmatics and that's social interaction. How do I, you know, how do I learn to approach a group that's already playing together and ask to join? And just to interact with that situation. Yes, yeah. Kids don't always get that. That's, you know, there's just, there's so many, so many aspects to language that we don't really think of. And how do those kind of outside of the box things, how do they ever make it to you? How does how does a kid with those issues ever kind of come across your desk, I right. guess? A lot of times they are identified by the teacher at great. school. The child's teacher is the one that has, um, well, and the parent too, but the, the teacher sees them in a lot of social type situations, lunchroom, playground, you know, all those kinds of things. Some group projects when you're talking like older elementary and junior high kids. Typically that, you know, the physician isn't the one that's going to notice that. Right. Typically it's a teacher who then maybe mentions to a parent, hey, you know, I've noticed... (laughs) 
and if that kid is someone is is a child that's not already receiving speech for something else and maybe academically they're doing great so they don't necessarily qualify for services at school then you know that's when a parent could seek out services mm-hmm. and they would then talk to me about those specific issues that the child's having another question i have for you Brenda are there kids with certain diagnoses or underlying conditions that we want to pay closer attention to for a speech need? Yes. Kids with diagnoses such as cerebral palsy, autism, Down syndrome, those, a lot of times those kids will have some speech, speech and or language needs, some, you know, more than others, obviously, and some more varied, you know, some will only need articulation, some will need the full gamut, you know, and even, even the kids that are, maybe they're, they're not developing language at all, kids who are nonverbal, then need to, the involvement of a speech pathologist to come up with some kind of an alternative system for their, them to communicate, whether that's a, you know, a speech generating device, an augmentative, like a dedicated device, mm-hmm. or, you know, just another means Flashcards of, or yeah, another means of communicating. So yeah, another frequent uh, medical condition that leads to some speech issues are uh, ear infections, frequent, oh, you know, frequent so ear infections. Yes, very common. And you hear of a lot of kids who have recurrent, just over over and I was over and say, over. Kids have a lot of ear infections. They do. They do. Upon- and then kids ending up, end up getting you know tubes in their ears and that kind of yeah. thing. But you know, if you think about the ear and it, it being filled with fluid all the time, that inhibits the ability to hear what people yeah. are saying, so they can't pick up on the subtle difference between these sounds. Boy, I could almost see someone with a severe ear issue thinking they're saying it right yes. from what they're hearing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're hearing it through kind of a faulty a filter. Muffled, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So those types of kids frequently need some intervention, not always, but but frequently. So that would be kind of a red flag. Like, hey, I need to be on the lookout for this because my child had, you know, 12 ear infections in the first 18 months of their life. That's a lot, you know. That's a lot. So. Wow. Some great information, great conversation, of course, about child development with speech therapy. And, you know, I encourage you, if you listen to this podcast, pass it along to someone you think they could really use this and get the nuts and bolts of this. And, and also I want to throw in a little plug. If you have an idea of a topic we should discuss or something you need to know more about. You could submit this just to the right of the podcast you're listening to right now and feel free to submit it and we might even talk about that in an upcoming podcast and episode. But uh, I think some really, really good stuff. We thank you so much, Brenda, for your expertise and Aaron, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Another edition of Valley Health Check with Horizon Health.